You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, September 11th, and I'm here to recap what I liked and what I didn't like from number three Ohio State's 45-12 win over the Arkansas State Red Wolves in the horseshoe yesterday. Now look, by their own standard, the Buckeyes were underwhelming yesterday. I think even the most optimistic of Ohio State fans would tell you that. The Buckeyes were a 44.5 point favorite in this game, and they fell way short of covering that spread. After a penalty-riddled first half in which the Buckeyes were flagged for 55 yards, Ohio State took an uneasy 24-9 lead into the locker room and looked well on their way to what I like to call another September stinker. The Ohio State offense, though, would get a chokehold on the game early in the third quarter, scoring two touchdowns in their first five plays. After C.J. Stroud hit Emeka Ibuka for a 44-yard pass play to open the third quarter, Trevion Henderson would score on a 23-yard run to put the Buckeyes up 31-9. The Buckeye defense would force Arkansas State to go three and out, and two plays later, Stroud would connect with Ibuka again for a 51-yard touchdown pass to extend the lead to 38-9, and that ended any notion of Arkansas State really hanging around in this game. And as I said, by their own standard, Ohio State completely underwhelming yesterday, but compared to much of the AP top 20, the Buckeyes actually looked great. I mean, consider number one Alabama, a 21 and a half point favorite over unranked Texas. They were extremely lucky to escape Austin with a 20 to 19 win over the Longhorns. The Tides were huge beneficiaries of some highly questionable officiating and really should have lost that game, to be totally honest. You also had number six, Texas A&M, losing at home to Appalachian State, 17-14. The Aggies were an 18-point favorite in that game. Number eight, Notre Dame, lost at home to unranked Marshall, 26-21. Ugh, I mean, that one hurt. The Irish were a three-touchdown favorite in that game. And, you know, there goes Ohio State's top five win out the, out the window. Number 19, Wisconsin. They were a 17 and a half point favorite to beat Washington State in Madison yesterday. They lose to the Cougars 17 to 14. And then you had number 12, Florida, losing in the swamp to Kentucky and also number nine, Baylor, losing on the road to BYU. So before I start nitpicking Ohio State's performance in a 33 point win, let's just remember that context. So why don't I start with what I didn't like? I want to get the negative stuff out of the way first, because there was actually a lot to like about this performance yesterday for the Buckeyes. Let's start with the penalties. Nine penalties for 85 yards. Let's start with the bonehead personal foul call on Taraja Mitchell that uh, nullified a punt return for a touchdown by Emeka Ibuka and gave the ball back to Arkansas State. You also had several pass interference penalties, I believe, on that very same possession by Denzel Burke. Uh, That led to... Arkansas State's first points of the game. There was a senseless, unsportsmanlike penalty on Teron Vincent at the end of the first half. It was just really disappointing to see such undisciplined play after 75 yards in penalties the week before against Notre Dame. So far, after two games, Ohio State is 110th in the country in penalty yardage. So that's not good. Obviously, something Ohio State has to get fixed starting next week with Toledo. Another thing I didn't like. 
What's going on with the running back rotation? I, I just I just don't understand what Ryan Day and Tony Alford are doing there. Only 10 carries for Travion Henderson yesterday. He finished with 87 yards and two touchdowns. That's almost nine yards a carry. And look, I understand wanting to keep Henderson fresh for November. We remember last year, he really kind of ran out of steam as the season went along. But, you know, he's a running back. This is Ohio State. This is the Big Ten. You can't keep Henderson in bubble wrap until the Michigan game. You're going to need his playmaking to win football games way before then. And, you know, there were moments in yesterday's game that I didn't quite understand why Mayan Williams was the choice at running back when the situation seemed to clearly call for Henderson. Let me give you one example. Ohio State was in a two-minute situation at the end of the second quarter. They took possession of the, of the ball at midfield with 44 seconds to play before the half. A great opportunity to get more points on the board before halftime. And the drive starts with a failed screenplay to Mayan Williams that goes for no gain. I just, I don't understand why Williams is the choice at running back in that situation. Clearly to me, Henderson should be the player in that situation. And the coaching staff seems to be treating Henderson and Williams as interchangeable parts when they are clearly very different backs with different skill sets. And Henderson, at least in my mind, is clearly the better, more explosive back. We had this debate on our last pod. I just don't understand why they have yet to involve Henderson as a receiver out of the backfield. To me, I think he has a very similar skill set as a pass catcher out of the backfield to Travis Etienne. Maybe not quite as good, quite as explosive, but I would think if you're Ryan Day, you would want to use Henderson a little bit more in the pass game, especially when you have a player of Jackson Smith and Jigba's caliber uh, unavailable and you need playmaking in the pass game. So I was a little disappointed to see for the second week in a row, Henderson not involved in the pass game. And curiously, Mayan Williams was the choice in uh, in passing situations when they were looking to throw him as a running back. Also, you know, I'm not entirely sure why they continue to call that pitch sweep to Mayan Williams. It, they did that several times. You know, Williams just does not have the speed to get to the edge. That is clearly a play that you want to call for Travion Henderson. And, you know, no disrespect to Williams, but Henderson's the lead back here. Let's not overthink this. Did we not learn anything from the 2018 season when J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber had what was, you know, at the end of the day, a pretty unsuccessful timeshare at running back? J.K. Dobbins was clearly the better back. And that was something that you go back and talk to J.K. Dobbins about that season. He'll tell you he was not comfortable uh, sharing the load with Mike Weber. And, you know, right now, Travion Henderson is saying all the right things when he's asked about the timeshare with Mayan Williams and kudos to him for that. But there's no way he can be happy with the the split, you know, the way they're happening right now. Uh, he should be getting the lion's share of the, uh, the carries. And, you know, let's also start getting him some touches as a, re as a receiver out of the backfield. Come on, Ryan Day. Let's, let's, let's not overthink this. Another thing I didn't like, and look, I hate to single out a player like this, but the play of sophomore corner Denzel Burke. It was a rough day for the sophomore cornerback. Two pass interference penalties, as I mentioned earlier. He was badly beaten in coverage by Champ Flemings for a 58-yard pass play. Flemings, you know, this is a kid who uh, couldn't 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 even get a role at Oregon State. Had to transfer to Arkansas State. So, you know, we're not talking about 
uh, you know, a Bolitnikoff Award winner here by any stretch. And Denzel Burke had a tough time in coverage against Flemings all day long. You know, Burke was not good in the opener against Notre Dame either. His PFF grade yesterday was 61.2. Against Notre Dame, it was 55.9. Now, Burke does have three pass breakups to his credit, including two yesterday. But so far this season, he appears to be in a pretty bad sophomore slump. With Jordan Hancock injured, I'm just not really sure what other options they have after Burke. J.K. Johnson is one, but he's also a very young player. Talented, but very young. Johnson got 50 snaps yesterday and graded out at 58.6, according to PFF. You know, that's okay. Not great, though. And, you know, against Arkansas State, you would expect a higher grade even for a young player. I think Tim Walton has no choice right now but to ride it out with Denzel Burke and just hope that Burke starts playing better. We know Burke has talent, though I'm not sure I ever saw him as the next Denzel Ward or Marshawn Lattimore, but he can be a good corner at Ohio State, a very good corner. But something is off right now, for sure. And I think Tim Walton and Denzel Burke have their work cut out for him. Lastly, you know, I continue to be underwhelmed by the second unit of the defensive line. At defensive end, Javante Jean-Baptiste and Tyler Friday combined for 41 snaps yesterday, but only two quarterback pressures. Tyleek Williams and Jerron Cage on the interior combined for 42 snaps and finished with just one quarterback pressure between the two of them. And it seemed when the Arkansas State offense had success moving the ball, it was largely against that unit, against those players. Uh, They were able to move the ball on the ground a little better against that unit, and they had more success in the passing game as there just wasn't as much pressure. Another popular belief coming into this season is though Ohio State was going to be 12 to 14 players deep on the defensive line. I think even Larry Johnson was quoted as saying that. But right now I say they I think they have five players, maybe six that I I could really trust. That's Zach Harrison and JT Tui Malowau at defensive end and Mike Hall and Teron Vincent on the interior and Jack Sawyer who's playing kind of a, a you know splitting his time between a you know a, a down lineman and that jack position. I might be inclined to make it six with Tyleek Williams. Williams had one and a half tackles for loss yesterday, a little bit better performance than he did in the opener against Notre Dame. Everyone else at that position group, though, just really doesn't seem to be impacting the football game at all, at least not through two games. So I'm hoping, you know, one or two other players will emerge from that second unit to give Larry Johnson a little bit more, a little something else when that second unit has to be on the field. All right, let's switch over to what I really liked about yesterday's performance. I'm going to start with C.J. Stroud, 16 to 24 for 351 yards, four touchdown passes, no interceptions, no Jackson Smith and Jigba, no Julian Fleming, no problem. Now, the offense did have some clunky moments yesterday, but I don't think any of that could really be pinned on Stroud, who just made it look so easy throwing the football. Now, I was one of the few fans who really appreciated Stroud's play against Notre Dame in the opener, despite the lack of the gaudy passing numbers we've come to expect from him every week. I just feel at ease as a fan with the ball in Stroud's hands. He sees the whole field. He can make all the throws. And his final touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison yesterday at the end of the third quarter was just surgical. 
And I really hope Ohio State fans can appreciate that Stroud is really only one of three or four quarterbacks in the country that can make a throw like that. He had three or four other pinpoint throws against Notre Dame that I highlighted in our postgame pods that, again, really, you know, we're talking about three or four other quarterbacks in the country that can make those kind of throws. So I was really, really impressed by C.J. Stroud. I was also really, really happy with the play of both Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ekbuka. Let's start with Harrison Jr. And look, after a disappointing performance against the Irish in the opener, Harrison went berserk yesterday. Seven receptions on nine targets for 184 yards and three touchdowns. It actually should have been a fourth touchdown. But at the end of the first quarter, the officials failed to review what was clearly a catch by Harrison, who then broke the plane that was incorrectly ruled an incomplete pass. And again, I don't understand why that play was never reviewed. The ball popped loose, was popped loose by the Arkansas State defensive back on that play, but only after Harrison had crossed the plane that should have gone for a six-yard touchdown catch. And that would have been four touchdown receptions for Harrison had it been uh, correctly officiated. The Buckeyes had to settle for a field goal on that drive, but really that was the only blemish on what was a stellar performance by Harrison Jr. And the sky is the limit for for Harrison Jr. I can't wait to watch him uh, to, to watch him uh, you know moving forward. Emeka Buka, uh, he also major major impact on the game. Four catches on eight targets for 118 yards and a touchdown. Buka finished with 80 yards after the catch. Uh, and he delivered 27 yards on a jet sweep on top of all that. And for the second week in a row, Egbuka handled both kick and punt return duties. He had a punt return for a touchdown that was unfortunately wiped off the board by a stupid and totally unnecessary penalty by Taraja Mitchell, which I, I mentioned earlier. By the way, I'm wondering why does Taraja Mitchell get any playing time at all anymore? I, I don't understand that. I guess that's a podcast for another day. But, you know, I've been saying all along that Emeka Ibuka was one of their three best receivers, in my mind. I've been saying that since the end of last season. I've, I've felt all along that Julian Fleming was going to have a very, very tough time holding off Ibuka this season. And, you know, look, with the production Ryan Day and Brian Hartline are getting from Ibuka now, I have a really hard time believing they're going to tell him he'll need to step aside if and when Julian Fleming is healthy enough to play. And that's a big if. I mean, you know, when are we going to see Julian Fleming? It's a big question. I doubt Fleming is going to get his starting job back from McBooker. I'd be stunned. Another thing I liked out of yesterday's performance, Mike Hall Jr. again. Mama, there goes that man. Three more tackles for loss and another sack. Hall has quickly established himself as Ohio State's best, most impactful defensive lineman. Now, he had to leave the game in the fourth quarter with what looked like maybe another shoulder injury of some kind. I believe Ryan Day said in the postgame he didn't think the injury would be serious. So hopefully that is the case. The Buckeyes can ill afford an injury to Hall. But uh, he was fantastic. Again, he's wasted no time this season making an impact. I mean, you can feel his presence every time he steps on the field. I said that in last week's pod. Mike Hall Jr., another player I loved yesterday and uh, really looking forward to watching him the remainder of this season. I also love the play of the Ohio State linebackers again this week. Tommy Eichenberg and the rotation of Steel Chambers and Cody Simon were very, very good in this game. Again, you know, as a group, they are consistently making plays at the line of scrimmage and in the backfield. They've become very sure tacklers at the second level. Arkansas State finished with 53 yards rushing on 34 attempts yesterday. That's 1.6 yards per carry. 
So a lot of that you know, has to do with the play of Eichenberg, Chambers, and Cody Simon. And look, Knowles has also been able to bring consistent pressure on the quarterback with that group. Steel Chambers had a big sack to end Arkansas's first possession of the third quarter to help the Buckeyes really get a chokehold on the game at that at that stage. And we remember Tommy Eichenberg with a huge sack last week against Notre Dame. I, I love what Knowles is doing, uh, bringing extra pressure on the quarterback with his linebackers. And of course, that group can just be relied upon to make the routine tackle as well at the second level, which was something you know we couldn't take for granted last year. So it's amazing when you have uh, you know, a good scheme and a good position coach, uh, and 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 the, you know the results that you get when you have those two things, and that's what Ohio State has now in Jim Knowles, a good position coach coaching up those linebackers, and a scheme that allows those guys to play downhill and make plays. So, on a day when a bunch of other top twenty teams lost as heavy favorites at home. This was a 33-point win for the Buckeyes that, granted, was a bit sloppy at times, but never in doubt. There was a lot to like. It was highly entertaining. Ohio State came out of this game injury-free as far as we know. We'll have to see how things go with Mike Hall. So count your blessings, Buckeye fans. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. (laughs) And look, you know, we're only two weeks into this season. We're still learning about this team. I'm not going to lie. The Notre Dame loss to Marshall yesterday has me wondering just how good the Buckeyes actually are right now. I suspect they're still pretty damn good and they're only going to get better. I'm also not sure how much we'll learn next Saturday under the lights against Toledo in the horseshoe. Ohio State is an early 31 point favorite against the Rockets in that game. I believe it's a 7 p.m. Eastern kick on Fox. I'm going to be traveling most of this week, but we'll try to wrangle Paige and Chad at some point to preview that game. Until then, thanks so much for listening and go Bucks. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.